Early in the month of uh, October, when everything seemed to be falling apart on investment markets, we published an article which had done a historical analysis showing that markets tend to do well November, December, January, February, March, April, May, and not so well in the other parts of the year. And this uh, was actually born out with a vengeance in 2023, as we're going to find out now from David Bacher, the author of The Korean Report. We talk to David every week, uh, every month rather, uh, and then look back on what happened in the previous month. David, I'm so impressed with you guys that you put all the data together so quickly uh, over the, in in this case, over the weekend, uh, because the 1st of December was Friday. It's now early Monday morning on the 4th of December, and you've already got all the data for November. But I guess without any further ado, it was an extraordinary month in November, even though history suggests that it would get better uh, after that horrible October, it really was an outlier from its own perspective. We were both kind of scratching our heads and remembering, trying to work out when last you had a double-digit jump in equity prices, and it's been quite some time. But why would November have been such a good month? What caused it? Well, it certainly was a, a really good month for, for investors. I think there's a, a few reasons. Um, firstly, you must remember where we came from. We came from three consecutive months of losses, and the market was down uh, you know, almost 10%. And I think on this show last time, we spoke about there's been 27 times since World War II that the S&P has had that kind of correction. And generally... Uh, you've done really well to buy at those occasions. So to answer your question, it's partly from where we've come from. Um, and secondly, I think, and importantly, investors seem to increasingly believe that the U.S. Fed uh, would probably keep interest rates on hold or even start cutting in early next year. And that was a sign following a good inflation print overseas for markets to be firmer. So it was all about inflation, about a change in the perception of investors but so big a a jump and especially uh, when one has a look at some of the individual shares listed on the johannesburg stock exchange which we'll we'll get into in a moment but more than 10 percent rise in global equities almost 10 percent increase in emerging markets around the world there is it's telling us a, a story that is quite compelling as far as those who are taking the bets are concerned Correct. You know, equities are notoriously volatile by its nature, and I, I would agree with you, it, it, it is uncommon, but it's, it, it happens um, more than you actually think. So, uh, you know, and I think on the show as well, we've repeatedly said short-term volatility is often uh, quite difficult to, to bear, um, but over the longer term, if you're not invested in equities, you could miss out on months like November and struggle to to make it back. So, uh, you know, always think long term when you're investing in riskier assets, and know that on the balance of probability, you get rewarded for that risk. But if you're out of equities, where markets have such a um, rally as we did last month, um, you know, you really will be missing out. So, not totally uh, as uncommon as you think. Uh, it is a risky asset class, 
Uh, but over the longer term, uh, you know, it pays to be invested uh, in these kinds of assets. There have been many of those reports or research done that if you'd missed, say, 10 days, just 10 days in the past century, your return would have been hugely different. So it's, it's that old saying of time in the market rather than trying to time the market. We never know. Imagine the poor guy who uh, saw what was happening in the previous three months to the end of October and had given up, sold all of their equities, waiting for a better day, and of course they would have missed November. So timing is, is, can be a great enemy, especially of uh, private investors who don't have all that information and don't really have their finger on the pulse. Correct, and that's why I think a good financial advisor is very important because investing is actually it's very emotional. I mean, people are saving for their retirement, and what we see it so often, so common, it's like when the valuation statement goes to investors, there's panic, um, and they look and focus too much on the prior period as opposed to a long-term plan. And um, it's very hard for people not to make emotive decisions. And that's probably why you get these rallies and swings so much. But, you know, if you you stick to a disciplined plan, you're invariably in a much better position at the the end of your investment journey. David, let's just uh, pause for a moment on that extraordinary surge in the share price of Harmony Gold in the past month, Anglo-American Platinum up. Both of those up by more than a quarter. Well, Harmony up by more than a third and Process up by 20%. Those are huge increases in a single month. In fact, if you could have banked that, and that is a one-month performance, over, say, even three years, you would not have been displeased. What happened? So on the uh, with respect to Harmony Gold, um, yeah, that was a, a massive gain of 35%. Um, and the gold miners' share price jumped after it reported strong quarterly sales and also uh, very good production numbers. Uh, in addition to that, you've obviously had the global ge- geopolitical tensions and the, the gold price rallying. So it's a very leveraged investment gold when you have your, your underlying commodity uh, really increasing I- I- in value, it can have that kind of outcome. So that explains why Harmony did, did so well. And NASPAS and Process also came out with a good trading update. Their revenue, I think, was up about 9% year on year. It's a massive stock in our market. And if you had NASPAS and Process uh, and you were overweight that, you know, you would have really outperformed. We have that in the business portfolio. Sadly, we don't have Harmony Gold in the business portfolio. One we used to have was Sibanya Stillwater. Now, there's a contrast for you. This used to be as marginal as Harmony Gold, but of course, by doing what they did, international investing, uh, they've become less volatile, and yet they were the worst performer of the top 40 in the past month. I guess that, though, is is related to what's going on with Palladium, where Sabanya Stillwater is now heavily exposed. Correct, to some extent. But if you contrast that performance to Amplatz, which is up heavily, it's quite a remarkable difference. And I think with Sabanya, um, it was more a company-specific issue. They announced plans of a restructure of the SA uh, operations. They also, if my memory correct, uh, is correct, announced quite a big uh, convertible bond uh, which tends to dilute equity uh, exposure, and they came out with announcements of potential loss of jobs, etc. So, uh, Sabanya seemed to be a lot worse positioned than some of its competitors. 
Okay, well, let's have a look at what happened in the month individually. Um, industrials on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange had the best run. Uh, resources were up 6%. Industrials were up nearly 11%. But interesting to see that property, which is being written off by many people, and you could almost argue that it's a good thing that property is not uh, that popular now, given the, the seismic changes that we're having, having as a consequence of the way people work nowadays, at more at home and less in offices, etc. And yet it was a big rebound in that month. Is there much that, uh, that we can read into that, or was it just a case of November being a wonderful month for all stocks? I think you can read a little bit into it. Yes, it was a, 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 you know, a bullish market across the board, but property um, is also quite sensitive, is more sensitive to interest rates. When bonds do well and yields start to drop, uh, it's very, very good for the property market. And I think that was a, a big catalyst to why property did particularly well. Okay, so the whole story globally now is interest rates have peaked, they're going to start coming down again, and that's usually good for equities, and hence we had this big change around. It was interesting, though, to have a look at the individual portfolios, the individual unit trusts, at those uh, that did, and on the general equity side, because it's, it's often where the most um, focus is, those that did well, uh, Coronation taking the first two spots in the past month, and then Lucas Gray Equity Prescient, which is usually a very good performer, lagging quite badly. What might have caused that? So let me start with the, the Coronation performance. I think Coronation uh, had two drivers of their performance. And firstly, they've got a big overexposure to NASPAS post-process relative to peers. So that was a big driver of their performance. Um, there were other reasons as well. Um, with regards to Klukas Gray, who, who's done really well, as I said, this is a one-month uh, return. The three-year, five-year, and one-year numbers have been really, really good. You can't get that outperformance over the medium to long term without having a couple of uh, or a, a, a poor month here and there. But also, 3.6%, uh, I think, you're not a terrible number in terms of absolute performance. It uh, you know, for the worst performing fund to only be about 3% behind or 4% behind a benchmark, you also got to understand that, that the range of of underperformance uh, being the worst performing fund is not that significant. Indeed. As far as the global equity funds are concerned, uh, overall, uh, people who put their money offshore will be delighted, especially that uh, Signia Fang Plus equity fund and uh, in the fourth industrial revolution also doing pretty um, well. Actually, that's interesting. There's a good contrast there. Um, the, the Fang Plus uh, fund, in other words, the Magnificent Seven, I suppose you could call it now, almost doubling in the past year. But the fourth industrial revolution fund of Signia, which was also kind of a thematic fund, and not doing that great. Th that's I an think, interesting contrast. I think eh? 100%. I think you picked up the most, I wouldn't say bizarre, but certainly the most interesting uh, performance dispersion in our report. You would think you know, Signia Fang or, or technology heavy shares and industrial revolution kind of themes will go at the same time and be highly correlated. And it just really shows you that this US market has been driven by those big uh, magnificent seven shares 
as opposed to the broader market. And because of its weightings, it, it really has driven uh, the, the global offshore returns. But if you go a little bit deeper and you actually under, see what the rest of the market has done uh, for the year, it's certainly not many uh, the return that's being publicized in the market. It has really been driven by the, those big cap sh- uh, tech shares. When one has a look at the one-year performance, it's interesting to see there's a value fund in there. Sean Pesh is doing well, isn't he, with Randmore, that he can, in an in a, uh, environment where the big tech stocks are dominating, he still is one of the top performers uh, with 38% in the past year, beating a lot of those uh, uh, funds that are actually focused where most of the performance has been. Correct. Hats off to Sean. Um, he certainly has... Uh, stuck to his knitting. Um, it wasn't easy for value managers for a significant period. Um, you know, the, the decade from 2010, I suppose, to 2021 was the, the biggest underperformance of, of value managers. So he went through that whole period, wasn't easy. Um, but the last three years uh, has certainly turned. And uh, thanks to his uh, persistence and uh, preservation, uh, he's and hopefully a lot of his investors stay the course because they certainly are reaping the benefits now. Moving on to the best performing of the unit trusts themselves in the past month and in the past year, uh, there's some big inflows into PPS equity. But again, I know you tell tell me not to pay too much attention to this because it can be pretty volatile. Correct. Um, you. Uh, and it's also dependent on how big an asset manager you are. So you would expect when uh, there's lots of alphas in the industry, the bigger houses to have the, um, be on top of the, the chart in terms of uh, negative flows. So we just try and really look at this uh, in conjunction with other data points to make any uh, bigger conclusions. Um, I think what's nice uh, in terms of the one-year flow is MNG SA Equity Fund, which was the old Prudential Fund having significant inflows. And uh, without knowing the facts, um, I suspect that that inflow is a sign of the Prudential House being very, uh, the MNG House being quite positive in South Africa because I know when the global funds are looking for exposure to emerging markets, they generally invest in their own funds. So that's a significant inflow of about 7 billion rand. So I think it's a sign that offshore investors may be seeing some value in our local market. David, Prudential as a house was always known in South Africa as being very focused on value. Is M&G in a similar vein? It is. It's um, not as deep value as other managers. Um, if they, they position themselves as relative value. That means relative to the benchmark, they will take views based on value, but they won't differentiate as um to the same magnitude as I would say an Alan Gray or a Perpetua or an Excelsior. So, or uh, the uh, Camisa, the old Camisa Asset Management. And then the outflows for the month. There's old mutual investors once again uh, being th- th- that big fund, not having a good time of it. Alan Gray equity also uh, seems to be popping up near the top of these lists, the the list you don't want to be on uh, as, if you're in a unit trust manager. Correct. Um, also, I think the Alan Gray Equity Fund um, 
is one of the biggest equity funds, as I've said. So when you're having people redeem investments and to maybe potentially put it offshore, which has been a big trend, it has to be sourced from somewhere. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Alan Gray is losing uh, assets. It could very well mean, which I think is the case, that they're rather investing it in other funds and reallocating their capital. So David, what are we looking at in the month ahead? We've had three bad months, followed by one gangbusters. We always uh, like to uh, to end on an optimistic note, but it's been hard to do that. After this re- uh, rebound, can we look at a, a good December, January as that research that we republished uh, a while ago might suggest? I think it's a time for balance and a time for better diversification, uh, to be honest. Uh, if you look at maybe beginning of 2022 when we announced the death of Tina, there's no alternative um, to equities. Now you've got bond yields uh, globally at 4.5% in the US and, and overseas. Uh, you know that that can't that, that that's a, a reasonable return. So uh, you know from our side, I think it's probably not the the right time to bet on one horse in the race. Diversification. You seem to be getting good yields across the board. From a house at Corin, we still believe that maybe your tech-heavy American shares are overvalued. But if you look a bit deeper than that, there's still value in our opinion in the broader U.S. market. Uh, there's value in certainly in our view in South Africa. So um, certainly stay invested, um, but but do that in more of a tempered approach. So it's almost like if I kind of paraphrase you, you've done your research, you know who your money manager is, watch how they're performing in the race, but don't try and second guess them. Rather stay with the person or with the the asset manager that you've selected and trust them over a lengthy period to get it right better than if you came in and out of the market and uh, again try to time your entry and exit. A hundred percent. It's very hard to do, but you know, at Corian we actually start with um, the premise of who do we believe in the long term. And who, which managers we believe have skill in what they're trying to do, and often we look at the managers who've had a really tough one-year period and fit into that category of who we believe are managers over the who outperform over the long term, because you know generally these managers over the a full length of time do well, and just because they're having a bad short-term period, just because maybe they're getting outflows in their funds at the wrong time. It's often a signal to actually invest more as opposed to what most retail investors actually do, unfortunately, is you know, buy high and sell low. David Bacher is the co-founder um, of Corian. He's also the author of the Corian Report, and he guides us through what happened in the past month. November was a fantastic month. It, um, it doesn't mean that December is going to be the same. But at least we've recouped many of those um, reverses that were occurring earlier in the year or in the quarter before. And I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com.